welcome to the Virtually Done podcast. My name is Gemma and I'm the founder of Virtually Done. The Virtually Done podcast is created as a space to start important conversations that are often overlooked and speak to women in business with amazing stories and even better advice. It makes me so happy that you're here listening and I would absolutely love for you to tag me on social media at Virtually Done and let me know what you think. My hope is that you're able to take something away from every single episode that you can action into your business and that you're able to gain an insight into the behind the scenes of what running a business is really like. So let's dive in. Throughout my three, nearly four years in business, something that I never say is I can't afford it. And this does not mean that I can afford anything and everything. And it also doesn't mean that I expect you to be able to afford everything. That's not what I'm saying. So I want to dive into this a little bit more because the phrase can't afford it is what I have the problem with. It's nothing to do with how much money is actually in the bank or how much you can actually afford. It's about the language. So the phrase can't afford it is both negative and it's passive. It implies that not being able to afford the thing is negative. And if you're questioning whether that's true, think about a time that you've said, I can't afford it. Reflect on those times in your life that you've had to tell somebody, oh, I can't afford to do that. I can't afford that right now. It's likely involved embarrassment maybe or a little bit of shame that you can't afford it or maybe it comes with that FOMO because other people are going somewhere or doing something but you're having to say oh I can't afford it so I can't take part so when I look back and I think of times in my life prior to having the business where I've had to say oh I can't afford to do that it's come with this like element of negativity it's like ugh, can't afford it can you think of a time that you have happily said oh my God, I can't afford it. Like, I don't know, maybe you can, but I can't. The phrase itself implies that not being able to afford it is negative, okay? So already you've shifted yourself into this negative mindset, even by just saying the words, I can't afford it. The other thing is that the phrase suggests that things are out of your control. It's very conclusive. It's like, I can't afford it, full stop. End of sentence, no question about it. It's suggesting that what you can afford isn't within your control, and you're just kind of passively accepting that you can't have the thing. Now, this is not about me saying you're lying when you say you can't afford it. So this is not me telling you that if you've ever said those words, you you were incorrect or wrong or lying or anything because that's not, that's not the case at all. I've been in situations where I could not afford to eat, where I couldn't afford to pay rent, I've got credit cards maxed out, and no matter how sparkly and shiny a coach's sales pitch was, there was no way I was going to afford a bag of Aldi frozen chips, never mind a coaching package. So I'm not saying that you can afford things. But what I am saying is that your mindset around affordability and the language that you're using is so important. Because yes, you may not be able to afford it right now. But your mindset and your language is going to determine whether or not you can afford it in future. Think about that. If you conclude that you can't afford it, and that is the end of the conversation, why on earth would you then come up with a plan? Why would you work harder? Why would you negotiate? You wouldn't because you've told yourself, I'm in this passive position, everything's out of my control, I can't afford it, full stop. But instead, if you changed your way of viewing this and you saw it as more of a choice that you got to make, so you're actively choosing not to purchase the thing because you're in control or you're actively choosing to purchase the thing, it doesn't matter which way you're going, whether you're buying the thing or not buying the thing. It's about reframing it to remind yourself that you're making an active choice to do or not to do something because you are in control. Choosing not to spend your money puts you in that active position. So you might replace, I can't afford it with, I don't want to invest in a coach right now. 
I haven't budgeted for a new system this quarter. I'm not willing to spend that money currently. All three of those statements do two things. The first is that they allow you to actively take control and make a decision. And the second is that they're all making it clear that this is your current situation and not your permanent situation. So for example, you might not have budgeted that shiny new system that you want into your quarterly budget plan, but maybe now that you know that you want it, you can start working it into your plan for next quarter. You're taking the action because you know that you're in the control and you know that your current circumstances don't have to be your forever circumstances. But if you just said, oh, I can't afford that system, and maybe even worse, you might actively hate on the system and say things like, I can't believe how expensive that system is. How dare that system charge that amount this month? You must have, you know, a rich daddy, rich family that you've been born into wealth if you're investing in that system. And in that situation, not only will you not even begin to take action because you've concluded you can't afford it full stop. So why would you take the action? But also you've attached this negativity to the system and the people who purchase it. So then what happens is in the future, when you do want to purchase the system, you are left feeling like a huge hypocrite and you get yourself in a right muddle. And you might not know why you might just be thinking, oh, I really want to buy this thing, but something about it feels really off. And I feel like a real traitor. I feel like, you know, people are going to catch me out. You get that kind of like imposter style syndrome. You've previously hated on the people that you now want to be. So be careful with yourself that when you can't afford something or you tell yourself you can't afford something, you don't also attach negativity to the people who can. Because one day, that person might be you. And you're going to start thinking, oh my gosh, do people hate me? Are people going to judge me for this? And the reason that you're feeling that is because you were previously the person doing the judging and the hating. There is a book that you have probably heard of called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the author, Robert, in that, he suggests turning your I can't afford to into how can I afford it? In his book, he says, one lets you off the hook and the other forces you to think. By automatically saying the words, I can't afford it, your brain stops working. By asking the question, how can I afford it? Your brain is put to work. I'm interrupting my own episode today very quickly just to give you a podcast exclusive offer as a thank you for being here and for listening and for just being amazing. Um, so I have put together five templates that are email templates for difficult client conversations. So things like um, wanting to raise your prices and thinking, how on earth do I communicate that without losing all of my clients, but still being assertive? Um, implementing your boundaries. So maybe your clients are pushing boundaries or you've never communicated them and you really want to communicate with them that they need to respect your boundaries going forward so that you can do your job and not be overwhelmed, but you don't know how to communicate that. Um, the others are asking for feedback, making a change to something. So maybe you want to use a new system or new client communication. Basically, there are five plug and play email templates for those difficult client conversations that I have written out for you. All you need to do is download them, copy and paste them into an email, fill in the bits that are highlighted yellow so that you can put your own information in, send it away and it is done. No more stressing, no more panicking about how difficult it is to step into your CEO and communicate those messages. I have done hard work for you. So these are gonna be for sale in an email funnel behind the scenes for 25 pound. But for those of you listening, they are 9.99. So all you need to do is DM me on Instagram at virtually done or send me an email at hello at virtually done.co. Say podcast templates, and I will send them to you for $9.99. And that quote from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it really reminds me of growth and fixed mindset. So you might have heard of growth mindset, and I promise you it's not just a bunch of Instagram buzzwords. It's actually um, really well researched by psychologists. 
And in basic terms, it's the idea that you either have a growth or a fixed mindset. And people who have a growth mindset do better because they believe that their current situation, such as like their abilities and their skills can change over time. And so they put work in and they are dedicated because they know that they can improve. So a growth mindset, it kind of rewards this sort of struggle that you go through and sees failure as this really important part of the process because people with a growth mindset understand that you're not just born good at things, but you can get better at things and they enjoy that process of growth. Whereas someone with a fixed mindset might believe that their situation right now is just how it's always going to be. So for example, their intelligence can't change. If they're bad at something, they're going to be bad at it forever. They would then think, well, why would I put the work in to learn and grow and change? Because like this is just how things are always going to be. And those are the people that tend to stay still and talk a lot about their negative circumstances or maybe even talk negatively of the people around them who have more than they do. And they look at those people and think, oh, well, that person's lucky and I'm not. But actually it's that they have a fixed mindset and the other person has a growth mindset. Um, they also view failure as a big no-no because they think that failure means that they are no good and they don't really... Um, you know, someone with a growth mindset sees failure as like, oh, okay, I can do better. Someone with a fixed mindset is like, I'm a failure, right? So completely different outcome to failure. Common fixed mindset comments that I see people throwing around in the business space are things like, I'm no good at sales. I'm a procrastinator. I'm not lucky. Everyone else does better than me. It's these huge conclusive statements that suggest that you're completely passive in your own life and everyone else is inherently better or luckier when the likelihood is they simply have a growth mindset. And so, you know, it's not that they you're not good at sales and they are. It's just that they are learning how to get better at sales and they're happy to fail along the way because they know that that means they're getting closer to where they want to be. It's not that you're a procrastinator and they're not. It's just that they realize they have some habits of procrastination. That's not their whole identity. It's just some of their habits. And so they start to take action to figure out why they're procrastinating and what they can do to help remain focused. It's not that you're unlucky and they're not. It's just that they put themselves forward for more opportunities because they believe that they have a good as, as good a chance as anybody. Whereas you might think, oh, I never win anything. What's the point? Right? So the difference in the mindset is huge. And studies have shown that a growth mindset has so many benefits, such as reducing stress, developing resilience, it helps people better manage their emotions, improve self-esteem, leads to better habits, they receive feedback better, they fail better. And are these not all of the traits of a successful entrepreneur? It's very, very clear how a fixed and a growth mindset could change the course of your entrepreneurial journey, right? So now an example as it relates to money specifically, a fixed mindset might say, I can't afford it. I'll never be able to afford that. How dare she charge those prices? That is crazy. It's very conclusive. It assumes your current circumstances are stuck forever and everything's out of your control. I got my psychology textbook out for this one. And in my textbook, it said, when a person who harbors a fixed mindset is confronted with a difficult situation, it tends to elicit a helpless response. Since the fixed mindset is so against effort, they move on to develop strategies that hinder any progression from their current status, they disengage from the problem, and finally they give up. Whereas a growth mindset would look at the similar situation and might say, I don't have enough money in my budget to purchase this thing that I really want right now, but I'm going to look at what I can do to get there. And they would begin brainstorming ideas or building it into their future budget or maybe having some conversations with people around them for ideas. It's very solution focused. So again, my textbook said they view effort as a necessary part of success and try harder when faced with a setback. The strategies the growth mindset uses focus on generating other ways of doing things. They tend to think outside the box. So it's very much one of them is passive. One of them is active. One of them is helpless. 
one of them is quite exciting. So this is why I personally don't say the words, I can't afford that in my business and why I think it really impacts your level of success. So in business, there's always new risks, new challenges, um, you know, new things to face. So if I simply said, oh, I can't do that, I don't know how to do that, I can't afford that, I would literally have stopped on day one because there are constantly things I'm not in a position to do right this second. But instead of letting that mean something negative about me and my situation and being conclusive and becoming passive in my business, I decide that if it's important to me in the business, such as a coach that I really want to invest in or something that I really want to learn more about, I start working on it because I know the only person that can change my circumstances is me. Whereas when you say I can't, you remove the possibility that you can. In a uh, psychology study, they worked with a group of students who were wanting to eat a more kind of healthy diet. And they split them into two groups. One group was told to say, I can't when it came to being tempted. And one group was told to say, I don't when it came to being tempted. At the end of the study, they were all offered a treat to say thank you. And the options were a chocolate bar or a granola bar. 39% of the I can't group went with the healthier granola bar option compared to 64% of the I don't group. The language that we use has a huge impact on our actions. So this isn't necessarily about the language that you use with other people. So this is not about, um, you know, avoiding telling that coach that you don't want to work with them or being scared to tell them no or worrying that someone's going to try and handle your objection, which I don't agree with, by the way. But this is about taking the power away from yourself. You have every right to say no for any reason or for no reason to someone who's trying to sell you something. But be careful of the language that you're using with yourself. And just side note, that doesn't give you the right to be mean about someone's pricing or the fact that they're selling something, because let's be real, if you hate someone else for increasing their prices, there will come a point where you need to increase your prices and you're gonna wonder why you feel such resistance about that and why you're fearing that people are gonna hate on you. Or if you get really mad at someone who's selling to you, you're then gonna wonder why you're so against selling to other people and why you refuse to do a launch. So just remember to treat others how you wanna be treated. I know that money and finances is such a touchy subject and sometimes we get defensive and we put our wall up and we're kind of, you know, against these other people, um, try not to do that because it's just going to cause you more chaos down the line when you have these kind of conflicting ideas. But my point is, this is about how you speak to yourself. It's about how you talk to yourself in your own head. Don't focus on what you can't do, focus on what you can do. Can you set up a savings pot for business expenses so that when you want to invest in something in the future, you have a set pot of money to pull it from? Can you reach out to the person that you want to work with and see if you can work with them in a smaller capacity to begin with? Can you set up a payment plan that does feel affordable for you? Can you put it on your vision board so that you're motivated to work harder every day? And I get it, like these conversations around money are hard and a lot of us feel resistance and like totally get the ick when we hear these kinds of conversations. In fact, the fact that you're still here listening is amazing because I'm sure so many people turned off like two minutes in. Um, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this in a podcast, because I'm hoping that being able to hear me prevents people from kind of jumping to conclusions and misinterpreting the words I'm saying and being like, oh, my God, Gemma encourages people who can't afford to feed their kids to invest 10k on coaching and put it on a credit card because you shouldn't ever say no. Um, that's obviously not what I'm saying. That's definitely not what a growth mindset or acting like a CEO looks like. Um, but I do still want to have these challenging conversations. And also bear in mind that like this is always a work in progress. Something that I've been working on lately is my relationship with money because I realise that I'm more comfortable having no money in my account than having money in my account. 
which I realise might sound like such a non-problem, but I've realised it's a form of self-sabotage for me, so it feels quite vulnerable for me to share that. Um, but what I noticed was that I felt more comfortable putting all my money in a pot where I couldn't even see it, so I felt like it wasn't there, and living out of my overdraft in my actual account, which not only costs me money because they charge me for doing that, but it also affects my credit score. So it's impacting my kind of future ability to buy houses, get loans, etc., which is wild, right? Like it makes no logical sense. But I spent so much of my life living out of my overdraft that that, of course, feels comfortable and normal to me. So likewise, if you've grown up around people saying, I can't afford it, and you've spent the last 20 years saying, I can't afford it to things that aren't quite within your comfortable reach right now, of course, that's going to be your go-to. It just becomes habit. It's just natural. It's what we're used to. It's what we're familiar with. It's our comfort zone. And sometimes it's easier to stay there than it is to take the risks and grow and do things you've never done before. I totally get that. But that's the exact reason why not everyone is an entrepreneur, because not everyone wants to take those risks and grow and put themselves out of their comfort zone. This money stuff and also like the wider mindset stuff, it's there is no overnight fix. It takes time. But the good news and what I really want you to take away from this is that if you practice having that growth mindset and you notice when you have those fixed mindset thoughts, you'll realize over time that your current situation is going to change. And that is the biggest lesson. And that's going to be the thing that springboards everything else.